Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not A Genre, the interview edition. Every week I talk about music, I break it down, I, I make connections where none seem to be, I bust myths, I, and I connect all of that to my music, to other people's music, and to other things in the world completely unmusic related. Thank you to all of my patrons over at Patreon. Thank you to anybody who has subscribed to my YouTube channel or who is listening on any of the podcast platforms. Uh, please feel free to share any of this. Uh, if you know someone else who's as obsessed uh, with music as I am or as you are, uh, I really appreciate that. I appreciate all of the listening and watching and clicking and sharing and everything. Um, let's get right to it. With me today, my guest is Rich Berta. He is a musician, writer, and performer on That New Life and many other things, as I know. Uh, his The new album uh, that's out everywhere is That New Life, which we're going to be talking a lot about later on. Rich, how are you today? fine nick thanks for having me on you're welcome yeah it's good to have you it's been a while since we've seen each other um i don't want to uh you know spoiler alert uh we play we did or had played quite frequently um in a couple different uh bands and uh or different styles but it's been a while because of what's going on in the world at, at the moment but why don't you to the best of your memory uh, tell people how we know each other. Well, um, I couldn't tell you the year, but a few years ago, maybe five years ago, we started doing um, some Beatles gigs together. And uh, as you know, we've both become part of the, the Beatle world, the Beatles circuit. And uh, through some of those same uh, groups we played, you know, various lineups, we've done other gigs, a little bit, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of I don't know, whatever people have asked for, we've been kind of called upon and done our best to have a good time playing different styles we did 80s gigs i bet 90s are coming next who knows we've done a few things over the years though but it started with beatles music yeah that's right um it's a prefab four uh and i you know weirdly enough i actually first played with them back in 2007 for a little bit and that uh things changed i had another kid etc and then, and then that kind of went away and then the leader of that group, Anthony, uh, contacted me again in 2016, and at the time I was playing key keyboard. Previously, I played keyboards for the band, and but he needed a bass player, and that's kind of how we ended up meeting each other. Um, and yeah, mostly Beatles, but yeah, jazz, country, 80s, you know, uh, just general 60s music and you know 70s stuff like that. Uh, it's been great, and I've. I'm, you know, constantly impressed by your level of musicianship in in everything that you do, but particularly with the guitars and the vocals. Um, and what I'd like to know, and what I think the people listening at home, the audience, would like to know, is a uh, little bit about you, your story. Can you tell people uh, where you know where you come from, where all this music comes from? Well, I come from a town called Ossining, and it's a about 20 miles up uh, north from the city, New York City. Um, I grew up here. It's not, you know, cool enough town, nothing special. I still live here just by chance. I've lived here my whole life except for college. I went to New Paltz for college. Um, the music, hard to say where it comes from. I mean, we had a piano growing up in the house. So I'm the youngest of four boys. And I guess no one else really used it. So I guess they had to justify having the thing. So they made me take piano lessons. And... Um, I, I say they made. I, I enjoyed it. No, I didn't. I didn't fight it. I don't know for how much I, I didn't 
love it. I was probably about nine years old, but I did. I didn't hate it. I, that's good. I didn't hate it. I stuck with it. Um, I maybe didn't always do what I was supposed to do for the lesson, but at least I was sitting at the piano constantly. And I guess that was probably pretty important. Um, and then uh, for me, when I, I think in, a, in a, I guess officially in ninth grade, I got a guitar because that I really wanted to do. And that I, I became obsessed with that. So that like nobody was making me do that. I was I, I sought that out and I um, I loved it right away. I couldn't couldn't wait to see how all this music I was listening to how how, how does that come out of that instrument and um, you know that that I really that was all my desire to do that at the time. So that's I guess that's the beginning right there. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, so. What was the music you were listening to that got you, you know, in, intrigued enough to want to pick up a guitar and figure it out? Um, early on, I know Metallica was a big thing for me at the time. Um, I, I, I guess my I, all my brothers, but especially the one, like I said, I'm the youngest of four. The next one up was kind of a metalhead, and he, I'd hear this, uh, this, this great noise coming out of his room all day, and I, I'd like kind of borrow the tapes from him and uh, listen in there when he wasn't in there. Like, God damn, how does that? How, how could that be a guitar? I'd see a picture of a guy holding a guitar. Like, how the hell could that come out of that? And, um, you know, I I eventually, would, I would slowly find out how. But that band comes to mind right away. I was into the Red Hot Chili Peppers back then. Those are two, as far as guitar goes, those are two bands that I was really into before I even had a guitar. I was like, oh, that, this sounds great to me. I'd love to know how that happens. Um, before that, I didn't really have many albums when I was a kid. I mean, I listened to whatever was on around the house. Like, well, it was hard not to hear that metal blaring out. Um, <laughs> And, uh, I, you know, I was a big Nintendo guy, as I guess most people my age were at that, around that time. And I know it, you know, it might sound dinky, but I got even into that music. I guess if you're playing those games long enough, you sit there and you hear that music over and over. It has to get in your head. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, the greatest, but yeah. So Chili Peppers, Metallica and Nintendo. That's that's an awesome combination. Yeah. So, I, you know, what's funny is I, I swear I just read an article about uh, the history of video game music. Um, I have been looking it up because I stumbled on this collective that does, uh, they call 8-bit music, where they're just basically replicating the sound of video game music, but as, you know, pop bands or what have you, or progressive bands. And they talk about how, you know, revolutionary Nintendo was for video game music because of the, even though they were only able to really do two you know, two lines of melody and counterpoint, they somehow fleshed it out to the point where it was a real song. And because of that repetition, it just stuck in the head. And then, you know, the, the decades pass and it becomes orchestral and, and, and just well-respected until maybe 20 years ago, orchestras actually started performing it live in concerts. And... That's just that's that to me. I, what I love about that is it shows that you never know where the next music is going to come from, or where music inspiration is going to come from. Do you feel like there's anything in what you do that actually? Because I've heard you play, and I hear I certainly have heard some of your you know metal influence, and even kind of there's certain intricacies in what the Red Hot Chili Peppers do that comes out and I, I look I want to talk way more about your your playing and everything and your music but do you think any of that that video game music somehow seeped into your technique uh maybe to some small degree I mean when I you, you asked before where the beginnings were and that was uh you know that was a long we're talking like the uh almost the 80s here so that oh, was a while ago but I suppose that if that was my foundation I imagine someone's in there just to be clear, I don't think, I mean, I guess if anyone watching this listens to that album that came out last year, they, they're like, oh, what the hell are you talking about? It doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like, Metallica. It doesn't sound like Nintendo. Like, I, I want to return this thing. I didn't hear one Nintendo song on there. So I don't know if it's steeping in there. I don't know. But by the way, that was great that you were able to make me sound less ridiculous by saying, oh, don't worry, Rich, there's a whole article about, uh, you know, how Nintendo was, it actually was music, Rich, don't worry. <laughs> You know, it's the, the, the art of bullshit means you can legitimize anything. So, you know, that's it. Uh, well, uh, all right. So then, and and this is, I find this interesting anyway, because to be able to go back that far and say, well, this is what I was listening to. And I think we can all do that to an extent. Yeah, that doesn't mean that that so long ago represents what you do now. And I just uh, listened 
to your entire album uh, on Spotify. And yes, I can attest, it doesn't sound like video games. It's great. And, and, and we're going to make sure we have links to that so everybody can listen to it. Um, but so then that being the case, after all that development period, what did you do next? What, hap- what happened next? Um, if you're talking like after, well, we, we were talking really early there that what that led up to the guitar, even getting a guitar, which is when I started to get really passionate about music. Um, let's see. So that put me in ninth grade, like I said. So in high school, I guess at that point, you know, this is 1993. Uh, I mean, it's hard to overlook like the whole Seattle movement. I was definitely into. I was a big Alice in Chains guy at the time. If you ask me back then, that probably was again another band that you're going to be surprised to hear me say that I loved. Um, you know. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. That's one I, st- when I look back at some of the, the bands I got into around that time, that's one to me that the, every time I listen to them, I'm, I feel like they, they sound better and better to me. Some of the other ones, you know, I mean, I'm, maybe this is true for everyone. You might go back and look at what you used to listen to. Like, I'm looking at my CD tower over here and be like, ah, oh, I can't believe, like, almost a little embarrassed. I can't believe how much I used to love that. But for some reason, that, that band stands out to me. Smashing Pumpkins, that's a band to me that, like, wow, I can't believe I didn't love them even more. And I like them right away, but now, like, at this rate, they're going to be my favorite band in 20 years at the way they're climbing my ladder. Wow. So, uh, I forget what your question was. Um, yeah, so it, I guess around that time, I got into some stuff like that. Um, you know, a little, it's, I can't start naming bands. It's hard. I mean, that, I, that's a pretty mainstream thing I just named. You know, a couple of, like, lesser known groups. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I got, I got a Sigur Rós shirt on right now. There's no way that you can see this, but I'm a out of Iceland, I don't even know if I'm saying that correct. Sigur Ross out of Iceland, big fan of them. Now we're jumping ahead to like 2000s, but uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so you know, I can sit here and like list bands or whatever, but uh, you know, I guess I just got into other stuff, and I don't even know if that stuff pops up. And I can imagine it somewhere subconsciously, it's in the stuff we write, must have some kind of like it must show the influence somewhere. I would imagine, I don't know. I like to think it's pretty original, of course, it comes from somewhere though. What's pretty original? I like to think that the the music that I write, I like to think that it's unique. I really do believe it is. I mean, I'm I'm trying to bring something new to the world. You know, nothing's ever going to be complete. You know, like we're all hitting chords, whatever. But like, I like to think I, I'm always trying to find new ways that I that I haven't heard before. That I think, wow, that's actually something I would really want to listen to. I've never quite heard that before. You know, like if I catch, you know, if I catch myself, if it sounds like anything, I've like, oh god, that kind of sounds like that song. Then I just like don't even want to use it then. And it has happened. And, and when that happens for me, I think I, I have to assume it happens subconsciously. Like, oh, that was that little progression was in my head, or that little melody was in my head because I have heard that. It has happened. And, but when I when I when I do that and I realize it after, I'm like, oh, damn it! Like, I, I'm just not even gonna use that now. So, <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it doesn't mean that everything I end up using is completely brand new and never nothing like that's ever happened before. I'm not saying that, but I guess that's what I strive for. You know. Well, and that's I mean I I think. You know, it's weird because I think to some degree everybody strives for that, but there are different degrees of striving. So when I listen to your music, there's no question that it's you in the sense that, sure, I can hear similarities to other bands, but I'm not going to mistake you for somebody else. You know, like you, there's a there's a uniqueness to what you're doing that is clearly coming from a place of kind of organic creation and whatever that influence comes from it doesn't even matter what's funny about having a little piece of music that reminds you of something else is what i've discovered is in the writing but especially in the in the producing and then even more so when people other people hear it is that people like us have such a knowledge of music that the thing that's familiar to us you know, there might be 10% of the people who hear it will be like, wait, that sounds like something else. And nobody else is going to know where it comes from. That's true. You know, and, and so, and the way, the way you combine the, the ideas you get, no matter where the sources are, whether it's truly like inspiration or uh, memory, a subconscious memory from something, the combination of all that is what creates something new. And that's what I hear in what you're doing. That's, that's that's great to hear. Thanks. I had a quick. This is gonna backtrack a second here. Yeah. One time I wrote I wrote a song for this girl I used to play with. Uh, uh, years I don't even can plug her name. I wrote a song called After a While for the, the, this girl Caspina. This she recorded this like two different times on her album. Whenever I don't even know when this was, but the, the first time I recorded it was for a demo. And the guy who was who was engineering it said, uh, 
he's like, I'm, he's like, he listened to it and I, I wrote the music for it and it has a couple of those progressions that I like to use. And the guy said, I'm going to say one word to you, Metroid. That's a Nintendo game. And I went back and like, I, I actually went back and played Metroid. I'm like, did I rip off Metroid? And like, he said, I was like, I don't care. I can't believe you're saying that. I, I love the Metroid music when I was a kid. I never tried to play any of that music. Did it subconsciously end up in there? And like that. So one guy, one, talk about 10%. That's like a one in a million that a guy said something like that. Exactly. <laughs> did I rip off Metroid? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I went back and played and I didn't hear. I was like, I didn't, my song's not in this damn game. But um, anyway, you just said something about the 10% and how, how very few people are going to even pick up on things like that. Well, occasionally someone might even go deeper and, <laughs> and call out your past. Call right. See, uh, we found the connection. And, and it, you know, and I find that awesome because um, it's not like that guy saying, oh, fuck, the, the whole song is no good. You know, like there's the, the way the way you can the way we create music and by we, I mean us, but also anybody who's not doing like far out avant garde, 12 tone, you know, whatever is is like you said, there are no new chords under the sun and there in a sense, no new chord progressions or anything like that. But how, how it's put together makes a difference, even if there's a little part that reminds somebody of something else. They may be conscious of it or not, but that's going to give them their own little hook into the, into the music. That yeah. sense that it's part of a greater family of music, you know. And I do think that's a great thing. I mean, just to be clear, I was, when that guy said that, I was, I was kind of flattered. I was like, wow. I was like, I was, I was, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, well, yeah, I did play a lot of Metroid growing up. I beat the game. I'm not going to brag about my Nintendo. <laughs> I beat it, though. I mean, I, I wish we don't have time to get into my resume with Nintendo, but it's impressive. I beat the game, so I know the music. So I've obviously heard it for hours as a kid. So I, I, it shocked me that he said that. And I, and I wasn't like, no, man, these are in a different key. I, I wasn't. <laughs> you know, I, I'm with you on that. Like, it's, it's just, it was just cool that he said that. And it's, you're right, it's never going to be brand new. But, you know, you bring something new to the world. Kind of going back to the way you and I met with the, the Beatles, doing the Beatles gigs, even within that, I always say to people, because a lot of people do these tribute gigs where they're trying to do exactly what was, uh, like, almost act like you're just doing exactly the way it was played. Mm -hmm. I guess that's all fine, but my thing against that, and, and I've done that, and you and I have actually done that together. It's fun, don't get me wrong. My one, my one uh, thing against that is that I feel like when you do that, you're bringing nothing new to the world. But the thing about writing music, and even if you have take the liberty of covering someone else's music and, and doing it your own way. At least you're, bring, you're bringing something new to the world. So, and now when you, when you write music, my God, that you're, that's when you're really bringing something new to the world. So even if it is, even if it does seem like a derived from anywhere, and it's even if it, in some cases it might be obvious when it is, it's still something, it's still new. It's still new. Now, again, you, I, I, I'd like to think that it's not, that it is pretty unique. I guess everyone is striving for that, but it, it's always going to be something new. You know, it's always going to be unique to some degree. Yeah. I mean, you and I really align on that because I do. Yes, I think original creation is like the pinnacle of bringing something new, but there is absolutely a way to bring something new if you're doing someone else's music. My favorite phrase, which I'm constantly repeating, is uh, move the conversation forward. You know, there's always a way you can take something. I, I, I mean, if I'm hired and they say do a cover of, you know, these songs, I'll do them. But if I'm creating a cover tune and I released a bunch of music last year and there's like six, I think six covers out of the 30 odd songs and three of them were Beatles songs, but I'm only choosing covers that I think I can actually bring something new to. If it's, yeah. it's a song where I'm like, oh, I love it and I'm going to play it exactly how it sounded, then what's the point of doing it? It's that idea of moving the conversation forward. And when we're playing in, in, with the Beatles, uh, and other things, but particularly with the Beatles, um, it's it's funny to me how you're hearing chords uh, with like major ninths and stuff like that that would fit into the song just as well as what's actually played there. Or you'll play a lick, or you or or forget it, like the harmonies that you're stacking that don't exist in the actual original recording, but they stay true to the spirit of the song. And they bring something new to it. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why the hell not? I mean, not to mention to make you guys giggle, especially Adam. I know I'm not going to start mentioning other friends here. 
Right. Nick and I play with this other guy who always giggles. Like if I hit a funny chord, I look at him <laughs> and I superimpose some chord under the chord. And I'm, I'm, I usually know that it's not going to like ruin the song, but it's not really in the song. And he, it makes this one guy that Nick and I play with sometimes fall down laughing. So that's reason enough right there. But yeah, I also like the sound of it. Damn. I also like it. <laughs> I know what it is. I'll tell you the one that's stuck in my head because it's more recent is the progression that you threw into the song Walk Like an Egyptian. All right. <laughs> nice, yeah. Which had kind of a, almost, there was like a, is jazzy, but it also had kind of an early, mid-90s feel to it, too. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, I, wow, now I want to do an 80s gig again, just for that. I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> I would have wanted to anyway, but now I want to a little more because of that. Seriously. And look, and I find, and and I've played with guys who've done it all different kinds of ways. And it uh, there's always an ex, the excitement to me and I look, I'll just be I'll be vulnerable for a moment. There's an excitement to me knowing I'm playing a gig in particular with you because you keep the music alive that way by by never just settling for playing something rote unless we're just trying to get through something. And then, and, and, you know, your, no matter what your demeanor is, you know, externally, your enthusiasm is always clearly there. And considering how, you know, crazy life can be, the fact that we're able to get together and do something that we love that much and to be able to share it is, I think, an amazing thing and do it, you know, dozens of times. It's a, it's a true gift. I mean, I, I love playing with you too, man. I mean, uh-huh. I, I get to simplify it. You just sing awesome. <laughs> like, I wish I could sing like this freaking guy. Oh man, thank you. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I mean, yeah, we, we, yeah, we. I, I think it shows. It's hard to hide it when we're up there. It's it, it's easier to hide it on some songs than others, you know. But like overall, it's hard to hide the the joy. Like, we're, we're lucky we get to do that stuff, and that's we're talking about like doing even covers right now. But yeah, exactly. We're talking about putting our own spins on things. Yeah, putting an original element to a cover, which. It's a thing. That's a thing. You know, you didn't write it, but you can change it. You can make it your own. In a way, you know, you might make you. you, you I guess you try to make it the way you'd want it. You know. Yeah. Or one makes it the way one would want it. You know, like um, that's what we're all other doing. Sometimes it's like, yeah, just do it the way it was. That's you know, that's fine. I, I do that too. But yeah, you know, when if you see an opening, like, hey, we could do this here, do that there. Why the hell not? Right. I, you know what, that, that brings up a question, because this is, this is something I've always wondered if anyone else encounters this. When you're listening to music, either in the memory of it, like after you've heard it, do you, do you hear something that's not there and you either thought it was there but it wasn't, or you knew it wasn't there but you wish it was? Uh, I definitely have some, I mean... I definitely imagine parts that aren't there and then often end up singing them. If it's a song I end up hearing multiple times, if it's a song I like and I hear it more than once, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I know you, I've probably seen you do this too. I know a lot of people do this. I like end up adding a harmony. Like, oh, I, I wish, I do wish that were there. I wish, uh, you know, and, and sometimes I guess uh, this is less common, but I, I've, I've listened. I mean, it's, it's probably most common with songs you write where after you're done with it, you're like, damn it, I wish I did that differently. I wish that part didn't happen so many times. Or I wish I shortened that part or did that again. Of course, you're always getting criticized, and it seems like you, it becomes instantly obvious. Damn it! Like now that now this album is out, oh, wish I did all that different. Yeah. But sometimes, uh, sometimes I listen to songs like uh, maybe I'll I can't think of an example right now. We're like, damn, I wish they I wish they did that part more times, or I wish if I wrote that I I would have I would have sung this part over that again. Um, even <laughs> this here's another strange example that comes to mind: Katy Perry's Firework. Uh, no, 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 not Firework. Katy Perry's Teenage Dream. If you sing that chorus. Uh, let's go all the way tonight. Uh, again, at the end of the song, you have a real, they could have, they really could have had a hit with that one, Nick. If they had sang that chorus over again, over the big ending, if they had, they could have, they could have, they could have had a hit. I'm sorry. You could have been famous. Yeah. You know, you could have been someone that not only you and I know, but the other, that other people would know about. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else would know her. Yeah. I don't know why I said the name, like everyone was going to know who that is. This friend of ours could have had a hit. Exactly. So sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, I'll I'll hear something where like oh, if I had been, I guess if I had been producing or had been in that band, I might have suggested this, and I might have gotten shot down. Who knows? But it seems like a no-brainer. Damn, they they would have everyone would be like, yep, that that would have been better. Who knows? Or they would be like, no, Rich, we don't think so. I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, so yes, I do hear things that I wish were different, that I would have done differently personally. And I, the, the probably most common thing is adding a harmony. 
Which, yeah. Now, do you, would you say, this is kind of an easy question, would you say that that experience of hearing things that you wish were there is something that informs your own creation? Um, I bet, I bet at least at the very least subconsciously, I bet it does. I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't take notes like, okay, next time I have a, next time I have a song that has a chorus only once, only twice, but, but X, this and that happens. I'm going to make sure I don't fix, I succeed where they failed. I'm, I'm not making notes like that, but I guess to some subconscious degree, at the very least that, I, you know, you might end up in a position writing a song alone or with someone else be like, Oh, you know what? I personally like when this happens. I, I, I like, uh, when these two things happen together, when they, if, if they can, why not have them happen together? They might, they might blend, they might create a harmony, you know, something like that. But no, I, I can't think of any specific, uh, I, I think any sp- specific thing where I learned, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to screw up like they did, even though we're obviously <laughs> somebody who didn't screw up. <laughs> I don't want to end up like them. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Horror. Yeah, yeah, and I see what you mean. I think it is more of a subconscious thing. I because I'm always wondering, you know, we what we listen to plays such a part in what we create, and sometimes it could be something that we heard, you know, 30 years ago in a store once that stuck with us so strongly that we have you know, and, and then completely forgot about the experience. And then it pops up in some song somewhere. We'd never be able to identify what the source is, you know, but it's like these little atoms of music that come from all the different, you know, molecules and science uh, that, that somehow come together in a different way in the music that we create. And like, for example, you, you mentioned Smashing Pumpkins, I wouldn't have thought of that, but listening to your album, I can definitely hear an influence there. I bet. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, but with the other band that I don't, you, you know, you probably know the band, but I don't know if you've listened to them, but the other band that I think ha- it had a bit of a, a rem, uh, you know, it sounds a little like uh, was uh, Silver Sun Pickups. Uh, I know a couple hits by them. And I've had I've a couple of their albums. I heard them and thought, like, God, this, that girl sounds so hot. And I, I, well, there is a girl in the band, but, but it's not the singer. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like the songs I've heard. I like the songs I've heard. Yeah, and there's a kind of a there's a there's a there's a meatiness and a groundedness to to your music, but there's also kind of, there's an ambience to it. And bands like the Pumpkins who have you know, intricacies, like you said, the more you listen to, the more you pick up on and how, you know, much of, you know, how virtuosic it, it was. And the, you know, Sigur Roche or Ross, you know, same thing there, you know, they, they the, what they're able to layer into their music and how it is kind of ambient and there's a feel to it and kind of a, you know, wash of, of sound, but it's got weight at the same time. And I can hear that in everything that you're doing as well. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, I'm definitely into, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, if some of that's seeping in more so than the Metroid thing. I was not surprised. I was far more surprised by that Metroid <laughs> thing that got back then than I, than I was by that. Like, yeah, of course, of course that's in there. Cigaros, I'm, I, I hope that's in there. I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I love that stuff. Oh, a little bit about them. That's a band that, that I'm surprised on paper. It's surprising to me that, that that a band like that is so, so like great, you know, one of my favorite bands of this like century, I guess you would say millennium. Um, because one thing about them is that they, I've, they they don't change keys. They stay in one key. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But that's one thing that I kind of like to do. I don't make a point to do it, but I find myself doing that. So it's surprising to me that, uh, that, that one of my favorite bands never, almost literally never changes keys within a song. That, that is a good observation. Yeah, you know, there's a. I just listened to. I forget the name of the lead singer, but he's doing some new project, and it's and he's got an orchestra with him and everything. And that same thing struck me, where there's this kind of interweaving of elements that build or, or diminish and then build again. But they're they're either very there's no key change, and there are very few chord changes even. Yeah. 
They make them count. My God. Yeah. Yeah. It's and you're right. I mean, there are pieces of of uh, we're talking about that new life, by the way. And I'm going to put links up to not just well, there's a there's a page that has every anywhere it's streaming and also on Bandcamp. But there are elements of those songs that have that same kind of, you know, you're in a pocket and you're just floating. And that's that's great. But yes, I hear. In fact, I think it might have been the first song. There was a there was a, you know, a key change in there that jumped right out at me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, this is music from somebody who knows, you know, knows music. Thanks. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it's it's funny. The, the the key change thing. I don't really seek out to do it. I just, I don't know. It, it, it kind of just ends up happening. I don't know. Maybe maybe it goes back to that thing, like trying to. I guess, I guess when you do change keys or you have these progressions that don't stay within one key, you have a better chance of not being, you know, of of, of not sounding like something else. That's- then, it, then it's like a. Then it becomes one in a one in a million instead of one in a billion. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, exactly. Now I'm, I'm only one in a million, but I don't want to be this one in a million. I want to be one in a million. Right. Even one in a thousand, dare I say. Yeah, say it. Damn it. That's right. It, you know, that's a great point because there's a, there is, and I love bouncing between these two ideas. It is, it is easier in some ways to stay interesting if you're constantly changing, whether that means within one song or throughout a career. But there is a, there is a different challenge to stay interesting when you're hardly changing at all. Like, like Sigaros or like, um, I think, and someone else may have a different opinion. Uh, I don't know why this guy came to mind, but John Prine, you know, I don't know a lot about his music. I got into it a little more last year when he died but uh, what I listened to from his 70s work to his 2000s work was all pretty much the same kind of singer-songwriter stuff. But he brings a, a depth and a, and a lyrical quality to it that um, keeps it fresh every time because it's coming from an organic place. It's not about him repeating himself so much as he's found his pocket, he's going to stay there. And that, to me, is an amazing challenge. I, I've never been able to stay in one place for very long. Um, partly because I don't want to repeat myself, but partly because I'm a little ADHD when it comes to music interests. And um, do you feel like in, in what you do, because I mean, I've only heard this one album, There, do you get to a point where you feel like you need to add a new element or make a change? Or have you found a pocket that you like to stay in? I guess I don't really think about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you mean within one song or like, Song to song, year to year. Both. But I yeah. guess the answer is probably the same either way. That I don't really think about it that way. I just uh, go with what I with what I want to hear. And let's say in that song, let's say in that song. So I guess I guess that right there tells you the approach. It's just song by song. Well, that's and great. Yeah. It's song by song. It's like you know, try to make this song the way you want it, and then um, the next one could be different, regardless of if that's that next song could be on this same album. It could be five years from now it could be whatever it could be with f- written for another artist you know it could be written for somebody else but it's just, just try to make that song the way the way you'd want it you know that's great i i i have a real respect i mean music whatever you know kind of facets of music but the for the the song as a as a work of art that the that to me whether you are writing performing arranging producing I always feel like the end result is best when everything serves the song. Yeah. You can be the greatest guitar player, singer in the world, but if you're flying off at a point and you lose the thread of the song, well, then you're just kind of showing off. But if, you, if you're doing that stuff within a place in the song that fits, then everything works better. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you would like to think that most people take that approach. I guess there's always compromise to some degree. I mean, if you're working within a group, you know, this was, uh, this project was, I mean, I, I wrote the songs, but I, 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 uh, you know, I brought in just two friends who play with me, like the bass player and the drummer, and then another, a third friend who was, um, the, the guy who like co-produced and engineered it. And I valued their opinions too, but there wasn't, we never like 
fought over anything. And I guess they, I guess they felt that like they, they, I would ask, I would occasionally ask like, yeah, you know, especially on the, like the, the sound production, like, do you think we should do this or that? And I value their opinions, but there was never any, I wouldn't say ever had to compromise, but I guess in some, in some people's cases, they do have, they have to compromise with, within a group, I guess, if they disagree with other members in the group and they're about whatever, like a, a part in the song or whatever, who knows what, a harmony, who knows what. And then there's the whole, you might have to compromise for like, God forbid, like a, like a record label. I guess you could say it's a good problem to have. That means you've sort of been paid a lot of money to do it, but they might, you know, a producer might make you, I don't, I'm, you know, I've never had this quite happen to me where they might make you change the music and that's got to suck. I guess if they, I guess if you're guaranteed money, I guess, you know, they, you know, that, that should make it worth it. But I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't sit too well with me though. And I, and I like to think I'm pretty flexible too. I like, I am, but I wouldn't, you know, it is nice to get to do it the way you want to do it though too. Well, especially when it's your own music, you know, and you're, I've, I've, I've seen what you bring to covers and there is a point, there is a point at which where you're like, all right, they want to hear it this way. That's cool. But I'm also going to add this in. And, and I've, I've felt that whether it's paid work, well, well, mo even creative work, you do whatever you want. I, I think that's the way it should be. But for paid work or work that's done under contract or something, at the very least, I like to take a one for them, one for me approach. Like if they want this, all right, that's cool. But then I'm going to do this over here. And this is going to be how I want it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, come on. I mean, it ha it's not like it's going to be offensive. <laughs> you know, we're talking about like changing a couple notes here and there or whatever, like, uh, maybe extending a part, maybe even changing a chord progression. But I would, I wouldn't, I don't think anyone, like, you know, even if they're paying for us, like, first of all, like, fuck it, they already paid. But anyone who's thinking to hire me or Nick, though, we will, we will do what you want, though, if you're, anyone listening right now absolutely exactly yeah just put it you know write it down note for note whatever it is sign that once you give us that check you you know no we, we what i'm saying is it's, it's still gonna sound good i mean and, you know no one's gonna be out there like even if you got some purist in the crowd who loves that song the original i mean is that the that's the biggest risk you're taking is that some guy in the crowd might oh i really wanted to hear it the original way well guess what you can go do that later right just put your head it was it was still sound exactly go listen later it was exactly what you wanted to hear <laughs> yeah uh i you know i had an experience a few years ago where i was working with a producer and it was so interesting because it's the first time i had ever worked with someone who felt like it was their project as much as mine and that that their input mattered as much as mine did and it i bristled a little because i was so used to doing things just on my own and answering to my own voice. And on the one hand, I learned a lot. I learned, wow, I didn't hear that, you know, baseline in that song. I'm so glad you suggested that or whatever else it was. But on the other hand, there are songs from that project that I'll do live where I'm like, All right, I like how I did it, but I'm going to perform it my way. And it's, it's totally fine either way, you know, and no one, no one else knows the difference. It's all, you know, it's how, how passionate we are, how much this stuff matters to us. Exactly. There's no right or wrong. I mean, yeah. You know, get back to collaborating though. I mean, I, I do kind of miss because I'm constantly like, coming up with whatever, like uh, a little thing I recorded on my phone, like a little idea and melody. I got all these like loose parts. That's how a lot of songs for me start. They, they start as these loose parts that, uh, you know, maybe one day it's like, oh, that, go, that could go with that. Or like, oh, those just belong together. Or sometimes it might feel a little forced, but you can find a way to adjust the tempo or whatever to get these two parts to fit together. But sometimes I wish that, like, uh, I, I kind of miss, like, like being in an original band where I, you can just show up with parts and jam on them. I haven't done that in a while, in, in years, actually. Like, like, bring in these parts and, like, jam. And actually, you know, I, I welcome this. Sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know where I want to go with this. You know, and, like, maybe someone else will be like, oh, shit, like, that's better than I ever expected. That, that of course, can happen. You know, I, I, feel, I fully realized that I, that someone else could have a better idea. Or I, I, had, I just had a loose part that this could be, oh, my God, this could become, like, a, this could be, like, a gem here or something i would consider a gem and i wouldn't even have thought of it that way or like you know so i do miss that like so you know i, I, I it's not like i always had i do miss other people's collaboration like that in that in that sense eventually i guess i could by myself find a way to put these things in the songs and i guess i have but um with all these loose parts i would love to get together with the uh, you know i mean maybe, maybe you and i can do it sometime Nick. just get together but hey let's play these chords see where it goes you know like just see 
with the, the, the band element. I haven't done that in a while. Like when we recorded this thing for that new life, I, I just brought, I just showed those guys the songs. By the way, they didn't. Those two guys, those two guys you hear on there, they barely heard that stuff, and that that's what, you know, and they still did great on it. So, oh yeah. Now even just to get to get together with them again would be great, just to sit down and like actually jam stuff out before it. Okay, listen to it. Okay, let's record a couple. Of, okay, that's on the album. You know. Yeah. It sounds like they have the skill for that. And your, you know, willingness to be open to knowing you don't have all the answers. That to me, that's the difference. Like you, I, I, I marvel at a band. There's so few bands like this, like, uh, let's say like YouTube has been around for over 40 years, never changed personnel once. And, and whatever issues they've had personally, professionally, they come back together. And I think, I feel like it's because they're bringing what they do best to the mix and they're, and they find out how it all fits together as a band. Yeah. I don't know too much about them. So I could be wrong about this. I think they're one of those bands that if you were to check that they, they share the songwriting credit equally, like 25% each. You might. I, be- could be, I think so. I don't know them too well. Mm. I know that the Chili Peppers do that. I know that Radiohead does that. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Big Radiohead guy. I don't know if that's that, that's like kind of goes without saying. I think is that the, isn't that just understood that I don't know. <laughs> I should have mentioned them at some point. Like, and uh, I'm a I'm a fan of that band. Anyway, like I think they share the writing credit credit. Uh, for them, it's five guys split equally. It seems like the bands that do that like don't split up. Then it's back to our you know Billy Corgan, Smash Pumpkins. It's just his name. Can't seem to stick with three other people to play with them. Who knows if that's why? That might say something about him. I don't know, but uh, it seems like. Bands like that, and maybe they really do collaborate to that degree where they feel like they should all have the names on there, or maybe they just don't want to hate each other. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you, I mean, that, that that that's uh, that's a great example. The Billy Corgan, you know, is that you hear that, and the thing is, it can work well both ways. If you're this, you know, uh, person who hears everything, and and the only way you can get out of your head is to make sure it's done exactly that way, you and you're a genius then your music's going to be great. And that's that's that example. And then the Chili Peppers or Radiohead, where they're all coming together and creating something together, is the other side of that. And I t- look, I think both work great. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. It's been a lot of years since I've done the collaboration thing, too. So maybe, yeah, maybe we should do something together. That would be cool. Next time we're, uh, hey, maybe we'll, we'll push the uh, the next time we get asked to do whatever we'll, we'll really change the song we'll completely not even play the song we'll play <laughs> great great it doesn't even walk like an egyptian was it like no you gotta it's in there it's in there <laughs> right it's like if you took the sheet music and just did this to it that's you know that's that's what we're playing it only happen after they've already paid though what's that this could only happen after they've already paid and we that's right that's where once you've got them, you know, they're at our mercy. That, that's the beauty of being a performer. They assume, they have the trust that you're going to do what you, you know, they paid you to do. But once you've got that microphone, you know, and you're plugged in, who knows what's going to come out, you know? And why is that a bad thing? Uh, okay, so here's a, so here's a question. Um, you were, t- I, I haven't done, so this is my ninth or eighth or ninth interview in this series and uh i i like talking as you see about you know the the overall the breadth of music and just whatever pops in your head but i haven't done a whole lot of talking about actual songwriting and what's great is you know we both do that and you've you've already brought up things in your process and uh you know one of the interesting things you said is that you're often not really thinking about, well, I need to add this, I need to do that. So you're creating a song, and if it's if this if it works for the song, then you know you've done it right. Um, it is there. I I love that you said that there are loose parts that may not go together. That now and then you find a way to fit them together, and they create a song. Do you feel like there's anything on your new project where that happened? Uh, let's see. Almost no. So for me, I, I never. 
I never sit down like, oh, I'm going to write a song today. I, I just like find myself just making little parts up. And if I like them enough, like, oh, I should record that on my phone. Mm-hmm. By the way, I lost the phone, the phone that I lost probably what would have been another album's worth of song. But it's okay. I'm going to make other ones. I'm, I'm sure they're in there. <laughs> they were just like little bits, ideas. A lot of them I remember. The ones I forget, uh, well, I don't remember what those were because I forgot them. They were probably, I bet I like them all. Um, <laughs> usually, um, I, uh, yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have a loose part. Uh, oh, yeah, you, you asked what on that album. There's a song called Grow Back that was, I almost wanted to call it like two separate sections. It's the second song on the album. And uh, the end, uh, like, it kind of has to slow down to go to the ending there. And I was like, oh, does this sound forced to go to it? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I said, hey, worst case, we'll just call it like two songs. We ended up just calling it one song. Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe give it like a slash mark, like call it like this slash this or just whatever, just give it a, sec- a separate name for the second part. I don't know. That one, um, if you listen to it, that's like a longer song. That's like a, well, it's not that long. It's like six minutes. Um, like halfway through that song, it kind of like hits a chord and like slows down and then it goes into like what becomes the ending. There's one little thing that like, I, was, I, don't, I don't think it was like forced in, like that where the, that, the, the melody to the ending part like got quickly sung in the first part in a different key. So it's kind of like a little foreshadowing. But those two, yeah, there's a song called Grow Back where like the second part is, uh, is very separate from the first part, but I, I like to think it worked. It, it kind of just hits a chord and slows down. You know, nothing crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but those are definitely two separate parts. I bet every song on there was like not written in one shot. It was like, oh, I had this chord progression, I had that chord progression. I can't remember though. I don't really remember writing the stuff. Um, it's kind of like ends up on my phone. Um, you, do, on you do most of the work on your phone then. Not when I say phone, it's like a little like voice recorder. It's like the, it might as well be a little handheld like tape recorder. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just like to have the idea. And then like I and then I put them together and then make another like little phone recording of the whole thing and then I showed it to those guys and then next thing you knew they recorded it like on a on a real in a studio. Man, that's awesome. Where do you where do you record? Like this, those songs that we're talking about, like yeah. the that album. Mm-hmm. Um, friend Tom Tom Seguso, I guess we should say names on here. He, yeah. I don't know why he, he should be should be should be happy in doing this. Tom Seguso, a good friend of mine, drummer. He lives in White Plains, New York, like pretty close to here. Um, he has, he's all set up at all times. He's a great guy, great drummer. You know, as you can tell, he learns the songs pretty, pretty damn quickly. Cause he, 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 we showed up there and showed him to him. Like I showed him the bass player that we went over there and showed him to him and kind of like, he wrote a couple things on a chart and we played through them. Like what you hear, these are like two or three tries on these songs. It's not like we were there all day. Wow. That, that's, that guy's good. Tom Seguso. He's, his shit's ready to go at all times. His, his, his uh, drum set's mic'd up at all times. Go in there. He's ready to go. I, everyone's, you know, I, I recommend them highly. So we did the drums and the bass and a lot of the guitar. Like the three of us just laid the songs down. I sang like a scratch vocal just to keep the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ended up singing the stuff over after, but a lot of the guitar got kept too from there. Mm-hmm. And then um, another good friend of mine, Dino, who lives three doors away from me in this apartment complex in Austin, um, he has he's set up to do the rest of it. And he's a great musician too, my friend Dino Dino Cavelli. Um, we, you know, we've been friends for years and like we jam, we always say, oh, why don't we make an album together? And then finally I was like, I think, I think we might actually do it. So <laughs> I brought, we, you know, Tom sent the uh, recordings, the, the tracks over to him and then we sang the rest. He has a keyboard there and like added the other guitar over there. I would just walk over there. We do like an hour session here and there. It was spread out over like the course of, a, like, you know, cause we would take like, we'd go like months without touching it. But like, it was, it was like these little hour sessions where we bang stuff out. Mm-hmm. It probably could have been squeezed into like one week. But uh, instead, it was stretch stretch out over time because everyone's busy. But whatever. Sure. Yeah. So wow. it was those two friends, Tom Seguso and Dino Cavelli. Um, we have home studios. That's where we did it. Nice. Oh, God. When you find a good musician, especially somebody you know that you can trust, it just makes everything so much easier. I couldn't tell that those were just a couple of takes on there. I mean, that's not... And it's... I mean, some of the stuff is... It's pretty straightforward, but not as a whole. You've got some stuff in there that you need to know your shit to be able to play it. So that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, they like I said, he jotted stuff down. I was and I was like, yeah, shit, is he gonna remember that part? And I guess whatever he was writing down, I guess he, you know, he's a pro. He know he knew what he whatever he was writing down made sense to him. And uh, then we'd go through it, and like, oh, he he, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, like it was it was a, a few shots, and of course he. Like anything you do, you like, oh, I wish we had another crack at that one. This one, he, of course, he's saying that right away. Yeah. When, when those guys heard it, they didn't, and none of us knew what it was going to end up sounding like with everything on there. Like, if I showed you the tape of us, the three of us jamming at his house, it was like this little basement, like a little garage jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when he, like, I send him back, hey, look, we added this, 
check out we added we added strings to one of the songs he was like holy shit <laughs> like, dude, i wish i had another crack at playing that i didn't know this was going to become like a real song like yeah <laughs> right. sorry. oh man that's fine yeah it's like you said before you, you never feel like everything's 100 percent finished you go back and listen you hear ah i could have done that you know yeah you could always do it better but yeah you know what we'll do we're gonna do another one then we'll do another one right and then we'll yeah. bitch about that one the, the next day yeah exactly well, you do, you know, so many artists are doing now, I think, because the older artists who want to reclaim the rights to their stuff, but they don't have, you know, the the company owns the recordings, they just re-record their tunes. And often they'll do it pretty much exactly like the original, because what they want is they hope that people buy that stuff instead of the old stuff so that they actually get the money for their own creations. But sometimes they'll throw new things in there because, like, oh, I, now I've been playing this for years. And I know what I really want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Do you find playing? Have you ever? Well, have you played? Have you had a chance to play any of this stuff live? Uh, there's a couple of songs were like a look had been around for a couple of years. So, uh, I def, that one grow back. I played that at some songwriter thing in Austin here. I got I got that one out live. Um. The title track, I guess it's the title track of the band. There's a song called That New Life. Yeah. I did a version of that one time. Not 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 a lot though. I might have done not a lot. No. So very little. Very little. I I like this year I plan to play some of these songs out. Though I mean, even if it's just me playing it, I get you know, I could always do some kind of version of it, like a stripped down version. If we can get, you know, whoever whatever the gig might be, if I can get a group playing behind me, that'd be cool. Yeah. I guess at the very least I plan to go sing a few of these myself. That's intriguing. I have I have the same plan. I you know it's been years since I've had a full band back me up, and I'm this is the year. I don't know when it's going to happen or where, but it's going to happen. Nice. Yeah. Do you find that when you when you play a song live that you've written but you haven't recorded yet, does it tell you more about the flow of the song that might shape it in some way? Yeah, I, I think you. Yeah, I mean, you probably get a. I would I would recommend doing that, which I didn't do with most of these. I mean, I think uh, most most bands would probably do a better job of recording a song that they had played live together for sometimes years, because they might change. They'll, they'll it'll probably change over time, and then those those little things that you end up wishing you had done differently, you could work those out in advance live, and then you can bitch about different ones later. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, a lot of the things that that come to mind for me, like damn, I wish I did that had done that differently. I bet if I had done these live, or like or if we had done them live, or even if this, I, I, the things that personally I would have done differently, I probably would have gotten gotten the wrong ways out of my system live, and be like, ah, instead of putting them on the album, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. Yeah, that's what makes it so hard right now. It's so much harder to play live in this in this circumstance to work things out. But I agree. I I you know. Back when recording meant you had to pay good money to go to a studio and there was no home studio to do it at, or there was, but it wasn't going to be, you know, radio ready, whatever you would call it these days, uh, you ha you took the time to perform because you didn't have the, maybe you had to raise the money just to go into the studio to actually do it. And that process was great. And there is a sense of kind of rushing I, I do a lot of home recording, rushing to finish something because you know you love it and you want to get it out. But if you haven't played it live yet, you're going to miss an element or two. Yeah. You know, um, what I'll do often is I'll just let, you know, I, I mean, I play a lot of streaming shows, but if, if not, then I'll let a recording sit for sometimes six months and go back to it and find that, oh, God, this song was missing a, a complete bridge or this needs to change key or whatever, just kind of fresh ears. Yeah. You know. There's a lot to be said for that. I mean, you, I guess, again, listening back, uh, you know, we, we did, it's not like we didn't, we did listen back like before mixing everything. So we, so in that sense, you know, we got to mix, I'd say the mixing was, there were like not really any regrets there, but um but yeah, you're talking about adding another part to a song, though. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you would notice. You're like, oh, I listen to this song like five times now. Like, and every time, like, it doesn't end like ah, it ends like shit. I I wish that something else had happened there, and then it's not too late to put it back in. Yeah, yeah, which is great. And the thing is, it's not too late to do anything. You know, like the, I, I there's a 
an, a very well-known artist who put out an album. Uh, I'm not a fan of his because I think he's crazy. And I'm not going to mention his name because, you know, politics. But uh, he put out an album and then put a, a completely different mix of the album out the following month or year or whatever it was. Because why not? You hear something else, especially when you have control over what you're doing. And there's not a company telling you you've got to have a finished product and this will be the definitive product for the next, you know, 50 years. Then just yeah. go through it again, you know? Well, not. Yeah. Yeah. You're also a teacher, right? Yeah. So how how has that experience been? I used to teach. It's been a really long time since I've done that for many reasons. And And, and do you feel like there's anything... What what's what is some significant thing that you like to teach your students as far as how they approach music? Um, I guess personally, I when I'm when I have a beginner student, I I generally start people off roughly the same way. I mean, I I'll cater it to them to some degree, but I think it it changes more and more as the as the time goes by. Like they probably start I start them roughly the same way. You know, if if it's if it's an adult, they might. I mean, for example, I might, as an adult wanting to learn to play the guitar, I might not, I'll ask them, do you care if you don't learn how to read music? And a lot of times they say they don't care. And I say, okay, if we were a kid, I'd, have, I'd, I'd feel obligated to teach them how to read music. Because mm. when a kid wants to be in like the jazz band in school or, or go to college for music, and then he took lessons with me for like six years and like, oh, you don't know how to read music? Like, who the hell was your teacher? <laughs> but if it's an adult, like they, I'm like, look, do you, I can teach you how to read music, but you'd rather learn how to like this, play what you want to play, right? So that's that's a big difference right there. Um, kind of forget what the question is, what the question was, but uh, what was the question? Something significant that you that you kind of pass on to your students about how to approach music, or you know. Well, um, so again, with, for whatever reason, piano is usually based more on like on sight reading. So I tend to like just have them learn songs by reading them, and at some point, sooner or later, I'll, I'll like. Let them know that they can that they have that they can take liberties in how they perform these songs, like uh, kind of like you and I have talked about today, the way we even approach playing other people's music. Yeah. Like sometimes the kids, I like it better that way. I'm like, okay, we should, we're supposed to do it this way, but when you've mastered it this way, I will absolutely let you. We'll even write it down your way because I I encourage you to do things your own way. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, with I guess this could be true for whatever reason. For whatever reason, more people read on piano. I have a lot more guitar students who don't read. Um, and it's, especially if they're adults. I mean, it's, it's mainly the adults, or like, or even if it's a kid, like they they learn how to read, but like we tend to like learn more by by ear or by reading like chord charts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I encourage I, I, with them too. I encourage them to I show them how they can put their own spins on things. And I I I say the same thing I said to you. Like I, you know, that that it really is great if you can put your own twist on something. You you brought something new to the world. Um, and I said I you know sometimes I catch it like if I, I have some students that are really into that, like the way that that you and I are. And they they'll be oh like look I learned that song but look what I added in like it, it like makes my day I'm like oh my god like isn't that great like wasn't that great that you you added that like I that's that sometimes I, I genuinely love what they added I'm like wow and more more importantly they do I tell them wasn't that great like look you you took a thing that was already already great and you made it even better because you because you thought of something else and, uh, and they're like oh and, you know, sometimes you know some of them. I'd say a lot of them might not, might, some some appreciate that more than others. Well, when, but when one of them does, it's uh, it's 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 pretty pretty special. I mean, like okay, this kid might go on to write music, and as many of these students of mine have over the years. I'm not going to take credit for that, but I like to think I at the very least encourage them, remind them that that's that that's a thing. <laughs> you could write a song. Oh look, you I showed you these chords. Oh, start putting, start messing around with those. Put them together. You might. If you maybe you'll find something you can record it on your phone, like I do, or on your laptop if you're on the next level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, look, they may have gone on to to you know create anyway, but to have someone that early on be not just that encouraging, but to teach in a way that allows for that openness is has got to make an impact on on them because we get so hung up in, on we or people you know people get so hung up on process that if you don't do something one way that that's the tried and true trusted way that you're not going to achieve a certain result but there's you know a thousand million ways to achieve that result if you're open to it so that's that's true in almost everything i mean my god i'm a big baseball guy 
the fact that you see a guy who has like a, a really unorthodox windup or batting stance or whatever, but he got to the big leagues. What does that tell a kid? And I, you, maybe you shouldn't, <laughs> doesn't mean everyone should t- try, try holding the bat like this, but like it goes to show that if you found some unusual way of doing something that works for you, don't be discouraged from doing it. I mean, I, I managed to throw baseball analogies in like you wouldn't believe Nick. So there's one right there. But like, <laughs> like, uh, if you, if you, I mean, right down, even right down to the technique of playing the instrument. Like if you might have some weird way, a drummer might hold the stick some weird way. I don't know, but like, Hey, it sounds good. So don't fight it. Like don't, don't feel the need to conform and, and right down to the technique or like, to, oh, I, I like hitting this weird chord, you know, if you like it, then you then do it. Did, were you always that way or was there a point early on where you were, uh, you know, kicking yourself for not doing something right, quote unquote? Um, I don't remember kicking myself too much. I mean, um, I don't know if my technique is so, so perfect. I don't even know. I probably should know better as a teacher. I think I'm doing it kind of right. Again, what the hell's right? But I think I'm doing it like the way, like the, the way that most people would, would teach. I don't know. But no, I never really kicked myself. It's liberating, you know, to know that I guess maybe I was lucky enough to realize that like it, it, you don't have to do if you're writing a song, you do whatever the, whatever the hell you want. And uh, it's liberating. So I was I guess I want to remind people that, of course, you can do it. If, if you yeah, if you think that progression sounds nice, then that's that's it. That, nothing matters more than that. And you work with that. Make that work. Damn right. That's a that's that's the best kind of energy to bring to the world. And that's the best way to, you know, move the conversation forward. Keeping it open like that. Uh, we've only got a little bit of time. And before I hand it off to you for any last thoughts, I have one very important question. Do you still play Nintendo? Uh, it's, it's, no. You know, you'd think, if you knew me in 88, you'd swear that I was going to go on to become, a, you know, e- even more of a legend than, a, than what I did. I, I, I retired a little bit young. I don't I don't have a Nintendo anymore. Somebody gave me this, like, a... Whatever, some it's, it's in the closet over here, like a like like a box that has like all these Nintendo, even like Sega Genesis. And I was playing it again for a while. Those, it's, a lot of those games are not as good as you remember them. It's like a lot of those, it's like a lot of those bands you like. The Metroid, Metroid is the Smashing Pumpkins of Nintendo. That shit's even better than you thought it was. Ah, yeah, remember that. Who could forget? It's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up that song, whatever song of yours, see if I can hear that Metroid. Uh, okay, it's called After a While. I, I doubt you'll find it. After a while, if you if you uh if you get me in front of the Tetris screen, Nick, I'll blow your mind. It's probably my probably my strongest skill in the world. Whoa! I challenge anyone, anyone anywhere. Oh. Yeah, well, I'll beat you. Then they play me like shit. No, you're not gonna beat them. I wish I, I wish I had a more useful skill. Well, can, you know, Tetris still into something like a money making thing. My God, like it'd be like the equivalent of Steve Jobs. <laughs> that's, that's 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 bragging too much. It's, it's, it'd be something. It'd be I'm yeah. goddamn. Game, Nick. My son is a is a gamer and he's into like Rocket League and Fortnite and all that. And the, the there's one thing I you see this from where we came from, and now there are people making millions of dollars playing video games. Oh, not Tetris though. No, <laughs> not Tetris. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, is, is there anything else that you'd like to throw out to to people about anything at all before we wrap up? I guess I'll just like to thank them for being with us. I can't, you know, we said already more than I ever imagined I would say. Um, your questions were great. I think your questions were that great that I, I can't even think of what to add. <laughs> ah, gee, you know, that's perfect. Um, that's great. I'll think of it tomorrow. Just like a song. I'll think of it tomorrow. I'll think of all these great things we should have said. Okay. We'll put it, we'll put it on addendum, you know, just, just write whatever you want. We'll throw it in there. Yeah, it's been great. I'm so I'm so glad we had a chance to do this. Um, I hope that we actually get a chance to play together soon in the same room. That would be awesome. We will. Uh, yeah, I think we will too. Um, and yeah, and thank you for spending all this time with me and with everybody else. My pleasure. Uh, and thank you to everyone out there for listening. Uh, I hope you take the time to check out the links that I've included here. For Rich's music, it is it is well worth the time, and uh, wherever you listen, and uh, please feel free to share that music with everyone you know as well. Uh, and as always, I appreciate uh, your support, and I will see you next time. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.